he's too busy making TikToks in the R again. That's yeah. what he's, doing. he's not in the nets, he's in the dressing room making TikToks. <laughs> So hello, hello, welcome to season three of In the Salmon Cricket Podcast. My name's Nuan. Alongside with me, I've got my wonderful co-host Hasith. Hasith and I uh, have had a pretty decent break uh, since we last did season two. Watched a bit of cricket together as well. Hasith, how was the summer break for you? Do anything? Did you do anything exciting? Oh, nothing notable to be honest, Nuan. Just uh, catching up some cricket. Luckily, we've been playing a fair bit, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. pretty cruisy. Didn't get too many days off, unfortunately. But that's how it goes sometimes. Hey, eh? what about yourself? Oh yeah, look, I've been catching up a little bit on uh, Sri Lanka's recent uh, series against India. That was uh, that was quite interesting. Unfortunately, Sri Lanka not as competitive as I would like them to be. But you know, when you're playing India at home, good luck to any team, uh, be it Sri Lanka or otherwise. But there's been a bit of cricket here and there. The uh, under-19 Women's World Cup has also started as well. So there's a lot of short-form cricket happening of late. I think the Test series between Pakistan and New Zealand has concluded, and then I think there was another one of England and Pakistan as well. So. So a bit of cricket happening around. It's been a bit of a lull in the cricket world, I'd say. You know, a lot of short-form cricket happening. But uh, but nonetheless, uh, we're happy to be back. We're happy for all our listeners who have been, uh, you know, kindly following us along on, along this journey. And we're we're super keen to get 2023 underway with another fantastic season of In The Salmon Cricket Podcast. Now, on today's show, uh, we have a special guest, as we mentioned on Instagram. And we also want to apologize in advance. Uh, we're going we're, we're gonna to do a live stream on this episode. Um, but unfortunately, we still need to wait another 24 hours until uh, YouTube grants us permission for that. So hopefully in episode two, we'll have a live stream going and people can tune in real time. Now, let's get stuck into it. On today's episode, I have a very, very special guest. He's a budding young sports journalist, a bloke that I spent a lot of time with. I trained with him at the Endeavour Hills Career Club. He's a very talented writer, uh, you know, a great thinker of the game. And at only 18 years old, this kid uh, is, is uh, you know, very very well spoken he's a great reporter loves cricket loves footy and he's he's achieved quite a lot for his uh, for his young age um he could be the next you know gideon haig could be the next you know jim maxwell maybe i'm maybe i'm talking about too much at this stage but but he's a bloke uh who he's uh he's certainly on his way to becoming a very uh well reputed uh sports reporter in the future it's none other than my wonderful mate mitch burke mitch thank you thank you firstly kindly uh for joining the show and uh yeah welcome to in the salmon cricket podcast yeah no worries Nui. thanks for having me on big honor to be welcomed onto the show and some very kind words from you there in the intro so yeah no dramas look mitchy you know you and i spent a lot of time at uh endeavors career club where we train together play together and uh you've done a remarkable number of work in the sports uh media field you know, you've written uh, you've written a lot of match reports on a lot of local cricket. You know, you've written reports on on the DDCA, Dane on District Cricket Association, the Australian Cricket League. So, you know, I just want to ask you because you know I'm also trying to become like a bit of a sports reporter as well. What got your interest? What what got you excited about sports media, sports reporting? You know, what what really uh, made you get into it? Yeah, so basically, from when like as young as I can remember, sports has been a huge part of my life, and I've always just loved it. Like any sport, really, get around it a lot. So then, when I was about fourteen, fifteen, I was like decent English at school, and like probably one of my better subjects. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like think about careers. Dad was like pushing me, like, oh, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I'll put two and two together, write about sport, and from there, I just started like doing little match reports on my iPad just for myself, yeah. and then from there went on that's when I made my website the sporting landscape mm. and then from there just publishing stuff and it kind of snowballed and I got into it more did some interviews here and there so yeah tell us tell us a little about your interviews because um you you've managed to catch some big fish there 
Uh, tell us a bit about that. <laughs> yeah, so basically, well, I just started like people, I was playing cricket at Berwick at that stage. So just within the cricket club, there was a few good names like Will Carr, the coach of Berwick had played for Victoria. Matt mm -hmm. Chasemore, another one had played a lot of Premier Cricket and was pretty well known. So just started mm -hmm. doing interviews like that. And then from there, a few opportunities came like my dad and all started too because my dad's mate had his own like sporting website which was yeah, today's right. tale at the time and it's evolved now to crick connect but mm -hmm. so i just put him on that website and he was really great giving me like a platform to kind of put myself out there mm -hmm. so and then from there i'm trying to think i've done quite a few interviews now but some big names like darren berry is probably my biggest one yeah right. i got that through a contact at barrack so it's just like kind of making connections and asking people who know people to like kind of give mm -hmm. you interviews and so forth yeah, nice. There's a there's another big fish that you managed to catch as well when it comes to interviewing. And Devon Hills, you want to tell us about that one? <laughs> yeah, Devon Hills, I've been lucky to do a few pieces with the players we brought in. So yeah. three big Sri Lankan names you guys would know, Lahira Turamani, Tilakratni Dilshan and Dimuth Karuna Ratna. Mm -hmm. Karuna Ratna, obviously the biggest one, current test captain, never going to yeah. pass up an opportunity to speak to someone <laughs> of that calibre. Let's focus on Dimuth. Now, you spoke to Dimuth for half an hour. Uh, what were yeah. some of the big takeaways you took from interviewing Dimuth? Oh, yeah, probably the biggest thing I took out of that was that he never actually wanted to be a captain and he never captained oh. going up and he was pretty reluctant to accept the Sri Lanka captaincy. So that was something I found really interesting. And also, once he did take it on, though, he really thrived and he said that he could mm -hmm. notice like differences. And I'm sure if you look through the stats, that would back it up that under yeah. that leadership role, he just took his game to a new level. So really interesting how like some people kind of thrive under that leadership caper. Yeah, Hassan, did you know that? Did you know that Dimuth didn't want to be the captain of Sri Lanka? Honestly, like, uh, I can see it happening. Like, for me, I don't think he's, like, a natural captain at all, just the way that his demeanour is, especially, you know, just going back in time with your captains like Angela Matthews and Mahela, you know, all these aggressive blokes, and then you got Dimuth Karanat to come in, just a quiet, placid kind of character. But um, obviously, like, he goes about his business. I think he's still in the top 10 test, uh, current test batsmen in the world. I think he's snuck in there at nine or so. And I, you know, I agree with Mitchie. I'm, I'm pretty sure that his, um, his, his stats have gone up exponentially since he's got that leadership role. So all credit to him. And uh, yeah, congrats, Mitch. That's a pretty big, uh, big catch there, man. Well done. Yeah, pretty surreal when you're just sitting there and I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> I could imagine. No, look, that that's awesome. Uh, look, uh, there, Mitchie. Look, what I'll do is I'd love to I'd love to actually share your website because this is actually quite impressive. And um, you know, I think for some of our for our listeners and potentially viewers, once this goes up on YouTube, um, it's definitely worth worth a look in. Now, this is the first time I'm using Google Meet, so uh, let me see if I can get this up and running. <laughs> Way to expose us, new one. Yeah. <laughs> We've been using Google um, for years, man. What are you talking about? So, Mitchie has a channel, a uh, website, sorry. So, uh, this, ladies and gentlemen, is Mitchie's website, The Sporting Landscape. The most latest article he wrote about was back, oh, a couple of days ago, actually. The DDCA uh, T20 comp. Mitchie, tell us about this one. This had a couple of, this had a couple of stars um, playing in it, didn't it? Yeah, so basically, I have another mate in the same kind of caper as me trying to get into sports media, um, Brent mm. Wilson, and we recorded like a little podcast together for his YouTube, just previewing the DDC T20 mm. comp. So I turned that one into an article. But yeah, it was pretty interesting. Mm. A few big names playing it, like yeah. you've got Mahalo Udawada and Nuan Kulasekara for Dandy West off the top of my head. I'm trying to think. There's mm. definitely some other ones. Ben Wright has played a lot of county cricket in England under 19 for Buckley Ridges. So it was a pretty interesting yeah. tournament, though. And we've got the quarterfinals coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, nice. When does this tournament finish? By, by, by like When does this so, tournament conclude? Yeah, so you've got the quarterfinals on Tuesday and then early February on a Sunday, maybe. They do the semifinal and final in the same day, I believe. So it'll be sometime early Feb. Right. So you got to bump into the likes of Nuan Kulasekara, Jeevan Mendes, 
yeah, I remember, yeah, Jamie Mendes, I remember him. He was a, uh, I think he played in the 2007 Sri Lanka T20 team uh, in the World Cup back then. But um, this is brilliant stuff. I think you write very well. It's very neat. I guess, you know, I guess I wanted to ask you, like, you know, uh, you know, where do you see yourself maybe in five, ten years' time uh, when it comes to being a, a sports reporter? Yeah, so basically, if I could like map out my ideal career from now, so I'd get my sports media degree, I'd go on, I'd have like a pretty good job writing like The Age or The Guardian or Code Sport is another one I like, one of those three, mm. hopefully. Mm. And I'd have my own podcast on the side doing like one-on-one interviews like Dylan Friends or The Howie Games, that kind of style. Yeah, wow. And then okay. hopefully do that. And then, I don't know, I'd only want to write, like I'd hopefully get up pretty high up. And then when mm. I'm about 30... I'd kind of want to go off, travel a bit and do some freelance work like in England covering the Premier League and cricket there. Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. So you've got your own podcast as well. Is that right? No, I don't have it yet, but that's a goal. I want to start an ambition, oh, something soon, hopefully. You also got to interview Ruan Pekalapotha. Yes. That's, that's that's a pretty big scalp. He played in the Big Bash. Tell us about this. Yeah. So basically, I know Rui decently well because he used to play at Berwick when I played at Berwick. Mm-hmm. And yeah, his I've kind of kept in touch with him loosely and his story is remarkable. So mm-hmm. as soon as he got his Vic Con... No, it was when he was playing in the um for the Renegades in the Renegades Academy. I mm-hmm. reached out to him, did the interview. Yeah. And yeah, it was really good because I just saw his story and you could see he's just rising. Like he went from... He played DDCA for years, dominated, yeah. went to Premier Cricket, team of the year in his first season, leading wicket-taker, just killed it. So he's yeah. got a really fascinating story and if people should check that one out because it's really dives into his life in Sri Lanka and how yeah. he's really needed the money kind of to play local cricket. That's why I couldn't go higher. Just a really interesting route. Yeah, fantastic stuff, mate. So we got some brilliant photos here as well. And uh, you know, you've done you've done really well. These are some these are some massive names you've got here. And uh, look, I guess it only vindicates our decision to have you on board. So um, yeah, <laughs> uh, is certainly uh, you know certainly certainly a big big scalp there. But look, let's get stuck into it. Let's chat some cricket. Let's see how much of a cricket analyst you are. Yeah, pressure on now. Yeah, so Hussey absolutely hates it when I talk about Test cricket because you know he's more of a he's more of a white ball kind of bloke. But look, I think we do need to wrap up um, the Test summer, and I guess you know provide a bit of insight, or I guess you know analyze exactly where where is Australia right now when it comes to Test mm. cricket. Let, let's open the floor to Hussey as well. Hussey, look, obviously Australia thrashed everyone this summer, and although it was great to see Australia win from an entertainment perspective, it was pretty one sided, a bit dull at times. Mm. I'll ask you both this question: Do we do we think Australia is now sort of like come up again, or have they just been playing Test cricket on easy mode? What do we think? Yeah, look, um, Australia. I don't know. I'm still disappointed in the in the Boxing Day sort of what the games that South Africa played against Australia recently. Just. Not really sure what to, how to describe it. I mean, I, I could be quite harsh and say it was pretty gutless cricket from the South Africans, but uh, I think it's fair going on. Uh, you know, your previous encounters that Australia had with with South Africa. So I think we touched on it last episode. South Africa have a pretty good record down here, and to see them perform the way they did was just super disappointing. Obviously, you know, David Warner, you know, getting a double ton, and then Kawaja hitting one ninety five, not out, just massive scores but uh, one thing that i wanted to mention um i don't know if you boys watched too much of the big bash league i'm not sure mitch if you're into that but i'm sure you are actually but uh, <laughs> david warner just a couple of hours ago got bowled out for a second ball duck by riley meredith absolute rip snorting delivery and it just goes it's, I, I guess it begs the question as to like is there such a like a massive disparity in like the quality of players even with big bash and like the south africans playing because he just got done he like properly got done and um you couldn't see that happening against the South Africans at all. No. Like it was just so. Maybe you know. I guess for me, 100% Australian playing on easy mode. Um, I really want to see him get challenged. I think they've got a couple of series coming up. 
But um, yeah, what do you reckon, Mitchy? Yeah, so I don't know so much easy mode, or I think the Australian team right now is just in its absolute prime, like a real sweet spot. We've got these older players like Smith, Warner, Kawaja, even the bowlers. They're all in the real twilight of the career and just peaking. Because you look through, you look through the lineup. Really, you've got Smith and Labuschagne average sixty with the bat, and I think Kawaja, Warner, and Head all average forty-four to forty-six. The top five all averaging that high. Then you go to the first choice bowlers, all have two hundred plus Test wickets. Like the team is just stacked with quality, and there's no weak link really. So yeah, I think we're just coming to a sweet spot. And you look through South Africa; they were up there. Now they've dropped down. They're still fourth in the World Test Championship. They beat New Zealand recently. They beat Bangladesh at home. They beat India a year ago in South Africa. So they're not they're not a weak team that's struggling in world cricket. I think Australia is just that good and comfortably clear of most countries right now. It's interesting you mentioned that. I mean, we looked at South Africa's batting though, and I don't mm. know, like at no point did they look like they were competing. I felt like even the bowlers were off. You know, I've never seen Rabada look that erratic. Like when you know when South Africa came here in 2016, like you know Rabada was all over Kawaja. He was all over the the Aussie top order. So do you think, I don't know, maybe Kawaja's, uh, sorry, uh, Rabada or like the, the South African quicks have just, you know, just not become good? Or do you think the Aussies have just sort of come up a notch? Yeah, well, it's probably, it's a mix of both. And it can be like the chicken mm. and egg. Like it's hard to tell, is South Africa just that bad or is Australia that good? But it's mm. probably a mix of both. Like South Africa won on the A game. And when you mm. come into Australia with a team like in its real peak like this, you just can't afford to like be a little bit off that one or two notches down. You just get punished like we saw. I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a weird one because like, see, I don't like it's this year, right? Twenty twenty three is going to be a massive year for Australia, right? In terms mm. of in terms of red ball cricket, um, there's a you know, there's four four tests against India and then five tests, obviously the Ashes, um, you know, with England. You know, we've always seen time and time again Australia. They obviously dominate everyone at home, but then the moment they go overseas, especially to India, you know, even England against the swinging ball, uh, they suddenly look like a different a different team. Uh, they don't look anywhere near as aggressive or threatening as they do back home. So like. My worry is that, you know, Australia will come to these parts of the world full of confidence. You know, they're like, oh, Nathan Lyon, you know, or is he now the second most highest figure taker? Or he's, he's up there now, right? He's, I know he surpassed a couple of bowlers. But, you know, like, I don't know. I feel, I, I'm just worried the Aussies are coming with a false sense of confidence because India at home, uh, good luck beating them effectively. I don't know. Your thoughts, you know, Hasib, uh, Michi? What do you what do you think? Yeah, um uh yeah, I can see where you're coming from, no one. I can definitely see where you're coming from, Mitchie, as well. I think I think it's also interesting because because Mitchie's obviously quite oh, he's a little bit younger than us. So his perspective on the Australian cricket team, no, I think it's a fair point. He's gonna be a little bit mm. different to us because we saw obviously, you know, the team of like the early two thousands and things like that, you know, with lots of like Graham McGrath and, and Warney mm. and Ponting and stuff. So Mitchie for Mitchie now, this is probably the equivalent of that, potentially, mm. especially going with the way that the, the players are playing. I think definitely that Australia will have a difficult time in India and um, just just obviously like dust bowl wickets over there. It's going to be really, really tough. We're going to have to yeah. absolutely ring out Lathan Lai and get as many overs as possible. You better look after those yeah. fingers. And yeah. also against England, um, I think England are in a very like pivotal place when it comes to exactly. test cricket, especially with yeah. BMAC coaching and Stokesy yeah. coming in. Um, it'll yeah. be a great rivalry. I'm usually not one to... Um, to look too much towards the, the Ashes series, especially after like 2005, 2006. I kind of like sort of straight away, but I'm going to be really tuning in this year. I think it'll be an absolute cracker. Yeah. What do you reckon, Mitchie? Yeah, well, you look at India, it's always like Australia's always going to go into that as underdogs. And it's like, that's the probably the biggest test we get in Red Bull cricket is beating India in India. And it's something we, I don't know if we've ever done it, but we definitely do it often. But you look at it, I think if there's ever a team that will give India a real run for their money, win a couple of tests, win the series even, it's going to be this team. 
Another question I want to put to you guys with Australia's spinners, what do you think of Tom Murphy? And who do you think the second spinner should be to partner oh, Nathan Lyon? I'm so I'm glad you, on the spot a bit. I'm so glad you asked that question, Michi, because <laughs> I have no I'll be honest, I okay, you know, back at the club rooms, back at Endeavor Hills. Um, here we go, here we go. No, because okay, when the West Indies came here and did that Prime Minister played that Prime Minister's game, I was I was in the club rooms, I was watching Tom Murphy bowl. And that, that was the first time I'd ever seen this kid called Tom Murphy. And um, I actually really rate his spin. Like, mm. he's very, very consistent. He's actually like what you call the boring old off-spinner. Just puts it on a length, you know. Um, I think it was Tagnarayan Chandapal, the son of Shivnarayan Chandapal. Like, you know, he's playing very he's playing very respectfully. I'm, I'm actually really excited to see how Todd Murphy goes um, against the likes of India. I know Michael Kasperwicz uh, spoke to Channel 9 and he was like, do not let Todd Murphy play in India. He'll get absolutely smashed to pieces. Um, but but you know what? I disagree. I think you gotta, you got to let, let these young spinners have a go, right? You know, even the great, uh, the great Shane Warne um, in his first test match for Australia, um, he got belted, I think, was he? He only made like, he got like one for 150, yeah. you know, Ravi Shastri, the Indians were smashing it. But you gotta, you got to go through that phase, right? I'm glad you mentioned the name of Todd Murphy because I, I, I'm reading a lot. No, no, I've been reading a lot on this guy. And um, no, he's, he's a good off, he's a good off spinner. From what I saw in that Prime Minister's game, I'm like, if he keeps, if he just keeps bowling that, that really sort of boring off spin, just, just put on a spot, that, that will trouble the Indians. But at the same time, the Indians are magnificent players of spin. And uh, it'll be a good test for young Todd Murphy because, you know, obviously you can't always put the ball in the spot. The Indians are going to gonna fly you around. So uh, at second spinner, I guess, uh, well, Todd Murphy, and then obviously there'll be the great, you know, the Nathan Lyon, of course. Australia could potentially have a third spinner in there. Ashton Agar, I know his name gets thrown around a bit, but I'd like to see Mitchell Schwe- I think Shreps- uh, Swepson would be, you know, would be a, would be a good addition. But you, I don't know, your thoughts? You pick Swepson over... Um... Yeah, you'd pick Swepson over Zampra. I know Zampra's pretty gutted to not get selected. Yeah, I rate Zampra uh, a lot in white yes. ball. I don't think there's any reason why he can't convert that to red ball if given the chances. Yeah. A good leg spinner is always a really, think, really good, uh, yeah. I guess, sort of uh, arrow to have in your quiver here. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Mitchell, why do you reckon Zampa got admitted? I was actually a bit gutted. I really wanted to see Zampa go to India. Yeah, well, I guess you can only, they're only taking four spinners and it would have come down to Zampa and Swepson. I think I read today, they just, they've just already blooded Swepson and kind of had him in the Red Bull system more. Mm. So they just wanted to keep backing him in and back their project, I guess. Another thing is Zampa's only played one Shield match in the last three years, I know. So yeah. I think he's got oh, enough yeah. Red Bull cricket under his belt. Mm. But do you yes. think... You can play two off, like with you've already got Lyon, you've got Travis Head as the part timer. Can you play Todd Murphy's other spinner and just go all off spinners, or do you need like a Swepson or Agar for that variation, or just pick the best bowler? See, variation is an interesting word. It's there's a lot of ambiguities around variations because you can have two off, you can have two off spinners operating, and both of those off spinners can offer something different. You know exactly. What I mean? That's what I think. You know, I remember back in the day, like India would have like Anil Kumble, and then they would have like you know like another leggy, but like. I know Kumble would never turn the ball like, you know, three feet like Shane Warne. He was always just like little variations, top spinners would rush the ball onto you. I think it's okay to operate with two offies as long as your two off spinners offer something a little bit different. That, that's that's mm. the key, I guess. But, you know, off spin is, is, one of, is, is actually quite difficult to play. You know, Ricky, even the great Ricky Ponting, his weaknesses was good off spin. You know, and, and in India, where you're going to have those dust ball wickets and the pitch, you know, turning square, I'd say sometimes the off-spinner can be more effective than a leggy in, in some instances. Every time Shane Warne went to India, he would get absolutely belted. I think Shane Warne averages like 44 or close to 50 um, bowling in India. And, wow. you know, he's and he's the greatest leg spinner of all time, right? So, so you know, 
it's an interesting debate because like there's no right or wrong we can only speculate but even those speculations have strong arguments for them you know what i mean but i certainly think it's going to be a real t- it's going to be a real test of pat cummins captaincy what do you reckon would, would you reckon this series will make or break pat cummins as a true aussie test captain yeah <laughs> That's a, that's a tough question. Um, I think obviously, I think in the spin department, Australia, in my my opinion, a, a little bit, I guess, sort of like second class when it comes to those mm. of the in the in the subcontinent, right? If if we're to be fair, obviously Nathan Lyon is is in a league of his own in in, mm. in Australia, uh, but mm. to find someone else. I mean, Australia been on the hunt for years and years and years. I mean, there's not really anyone that's been able to fill that void in terms of Pat Cummins. Look, he's um, I've got faith he'll do the right right thing by the team as he has as he has done, right? But you can only work with what you have. And I think it'll be really difficult. It'll be on the back of whoever the second spinner is, I think, obviously in India. You know, this bloke's going to have to be like really mentally prepared to bowl like 20 over spells, whatever it has has to be to get it done. So I think if Pat Cummins has a hard time in India, not to take it too hard, like obviously everyone that goes down there, they're going to get like, <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, it's like battling a giant down there. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be tough, but um. Yeah, I, I like I like this team heading in. Uh, I think it, I think it's a really good culture that the Australian team have now, and especially after like such a prolific win against South Africa, I think they've got the tails up, and it'll be good. It'll be a really good contest to see for sure. Yeah, I think I was going to ask you, Mitchie, who are you looking forward to seeing like most sort of like you know come up and and perform, or who do you you know who who do you really uh, who really excites you about the Aussie team going going overseas? Well, if he was to get a game, Todd Murphy definitely yeah. excites me. <laughs> Very, I really rate him and like he's averaging mm. 20 something like mid 20s in shield cricket which is unheard of for spinners yep. here really yeah another player not so much in the subcontinent but just in general is Cameron Green oh, I just yes. think he's gonna be a star rate yeah. him so highly and mm. you know those real class all-rounders they're really hard to come by and it's something we were kind mm. of looking for for a while so he's mm. probably the one for me just in general over the future I really want to see yeah. I think I think what I like about Cameron Green is that he learns quickly from his uh like errors in the sense that there was a really interesting sort of analysis they did on Cameron Green's batting technique. And this was actually exposed by Ricky Ponting. And um, they found that he had like this little weakness outside off stump where like he would always feel for it and then get bold. And this happened repeatedly. And uh, Ricky Ponting just like, he, he literally, there was like a segment on this on, on Channel 7. I was, it was fascinating. And, um, and then as soon as he made that adjustment, like, you know, Cameron Green just became like another different, a different batter. So I think what excites me about Cameron Green is that he's a quick learner. I wouldn't say he's the finished product yet. Oh, no. um, you know, I mean, he's still very, still very raw. But I feel like the more opportunities he gets, obviously he'll he'll thrive. But yeah, Cameron Green's an interesting one. I mean, it gets pretty hot over there in India, so they need to manage him pretty well. Um, being being youngster, I think. I think. What about you, Hazel? Who, who you who are you interested to see? You know, reverse maybe a poor record, or is there someone that you think you know, you, you want to see if they can? I don't know, prove themselves. You know, when when Australia arrives in India. Yeah, look, um, I, I don't, I know you boys have been talking about Cam Green. He hasn't, he hasn't won me over as of yet. I think he's, <laughs> I think he's still quite fresh. He's, he's made a few good knocks here mm. and there. I think, yeah, for sure, he's definitely uh, like an unpolished, uh, you know, mm. gem right now. He, he has mm. the, he has the ability to become someone close to Shane Watson. I think, I think that's mm. probably his, I guess, sort of like if you can idolize someone like that, um, at least in the batting, because Shane Watson towards the end of his career was an absolute menace with the bat. Yeah. Um, bowling, I think he can push for potentially to be a better bowler than Shane Watson. I think mm. he's got all the right things going for him in terms of height and the sheer pace. If he can just look after the longevity of his, uh, you know, obviously someone like that size, injury is always going to be something to be concerned about. But if you can look after yeah. that, I think he'll be good. 
play for, player that I really want to look out for. One guy that I've been talking up for a while. I really like him, Travis Head. Yeah, absolute beast. Yeah. I was actually um, I said I said this before, like a, like a long time ago. I really thought that he should have been in the T Twenty squad for the World Cup. Yeah. I rate this man so much. I think it's really difficult to to score big like a like large runs. But um, it's even more so difficult to score at the rate that he does so comfortably when he comes in. I think in the series just gone by with South Africa, fortunately, head's been in a position where he, he doesn't have to like, he can take a few risks and he can score at a, at a quick run rate. And I think he's mm-hmm. just taken that up in, to such a degree that like he's scoring consistently over 80, 85 strike rate as soon as he steps foot on the crease, you know what I mean? Like from the get-go and to have mm-hmm. that skill, but then also to be able to score massive scores. And he's a very, very handy bowler as well i i really hope he gets like some a, a fair few overs this uh this series but yeah. for me definitely uh t head and uh hopefully um, love shane as well actually oh uh, love shane yeah that's the other yeah. one. i was gonna actually didn't didn't travis head once get like a three for he got a three for against <laughs> sri lanka in that test everyone gets a three for against sri lanka <laughs> yeah okay fair, true 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 that i mean we <laughs> We play with a lot of Sri Lankans here in Devil Hills, so, so fair enough. Um, <laughs> I was also going to ask you, Mitchy, what are your what are your thoughts on on David Warner and when where he's at? I'll, I'll I'll be honest. One bloke I'm interested to see perform in India is is David Warner, only because if you because Mitchy, if you look at David Warner's uh, batting average in India, he's although he averages close to fifty at home, he averages twenty four point two five with the bat when he plays in India. He has a high score of seventy one. Never scored a ton in India. Do you he's reckon busy, he has... he's too busy making TikToks in the R again? That's yeah. what he's, doing. he's not in the nets, he's in the dressing room making TikToks. <laughs> do you think, Mitchy, do you think David Warren has the has the capability to score his first ever test hundred in India at, at the twilight of his career? Your thoughts? Oh, I don't know. It's gonna be an interesting one. If I had to like say yes or no, is he gonna score a ton? I'd probably say no. Because you look oh. he, got, <laughs> oh. he, got player, he got player of the match in the series against South Africa. Yeah, and he scored. He scored yeah, the 200 man. and he had like 250 runs for the series or something. I like, did a duck as well. Yeah, just that one <laughs> that one innings was great. But yeah, he hasn't convinced yeah. me apart from that. And for a while now, he struggled. He struggled in England as well. So I think it's going to be mm. a tough few months for him. We'll probably see him come to the end of his career this year, I'd say. But I don't you know. Still, I feel like maybe. Well, he's going to struggle in India. He's going to struggle in England. Will he still be in the team at the end of both those series? I don't know. Mm. Because it's interesting you say that because David Warner announced that the 2024 T20 World Cup would be his swan song. So you don't yeah. reckon he'll you don't reckon he'll last until then, Mitchy? Why is that? Well, in, in white ball, different story. But red ball, I think probably not. I think he's come to the end of it. Like he hasn't. He had that one two hundred, which was great in his hundredth test, the occasion, everything. But apart mm. from that, he hasn't done much for a while now. And when he does, it's like few and far between. Yeah, right. I really rate David Warner, man. I think like. I think Warner scores whenever he wants to score, if that makes sense. I think for him, it's like a, it's like a, I guess sort of like mental readiness for him. Like mm. he's got, he's got such a good eye and he can score pretty much anywhere in like any kind of position that he wants. I think for him, if he wants to score a hundred, if he genuinely really, really wants to score a hundred in India, he'll get it done. I rate him so much. I think, I think he's got the goods, man. I think he'll, he'll give it up when he wants to give it up, but oh. yeah, surely you're picking him in the ashes, right? Come on. He's good enough. Mitch, you've got some polarizing, polarizing debate <laughs> here on in the seven. That's what we're, that's thought, what we're here for. <laughs> I thought, man, you would have to bit of beef, Noah, but it's me and Mitchie now. Right, right? It's yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> Mitchie, Mitchie, Mitchie versus Hussey. Right, hey, here we go. Yeah, no, so, I like it. Well, <laughs> no, nah, he's just a fair thinking battler, I reckon. Gets it done. Mm-hmm. Any more test test match cricket to talk about, Noah? Can we move over to white ball, please? White ball cricket? <laughs> oh, gosh. Look, look, I mean, no, I mean, look, I, I, I just like to talk about this only because, like, 
this year, 2023 in general, is going to be a big year for the men's test team, right? I, I like, you know, Mark Wall, Pat Howard, uh, Mark Howard, all these guys, you know, were like, you know, this is going to be a big year because they're, they're literally playing two, two, two of the top teams in the world, right? Over nine, nine games. It'll be a defining moment for this men's team, you know, given all the stuff they've been through from ball tampering to, you know, the David Warner saga to all these other extra off-field dramas, the Justin Langer fiasco, right? The fallout from that, you know, there's been a lot of external things that have affected the culture and the psyche of the Australian men's test cricket team. And if they can come away, if they can draw in India, that would be huge for them. If they can somehow draw, even win the Ashes in England, that'll be like a vindication of the fact that this Australian test team has overcome all the pressures, uh, you know, from the media and the off-field drama that's occurred. And, uh, you know, I think it'll make the Australian public, you know, look at the men's test team quite fondly. You know, I, you know, when I was at the MCG on Boxing Day, I spoke to a couple of Aussie fans and even they were kind of sick of some of these Aussie guys, you know. Oh my God, oh, I can't be bothered with David Warner anymore. You know, like, you know, it's a, you know, I, you know, I think, I think that the tide is turning. I think Australia is slowly becoming like that, that really powerhouse cricket team that we're used to growing up. But uh but look, yeah, I'm I'm super I'm super keen. I'm I'm keen to see how this all unfolds. India will be a huge challenge. England will be England's going to be a big challenge too, only because you know this England team has come away from Pakistan and come away from those recent series with a lot of confidence, right? They've got a couple of young spinners as well. So so look, there's there's a lot there's a lot happening here, and uh, I'm sure all three of us will be uh, eagerly anticipating the next couple of months. But yes, we'll uh you know we would love to keep talking, but we're almost at the end of this show, to be honest. <laughs> we we do love chatting, but. To, to wrap things up, uh, I do want to talk about um, something a bit more in-depth, a bit more philosophical, and that is, I guess, the, the the beast that is T20 cricket. You know, we all have we all have polarizing views on T20. I love T20. I think there's a too much of it. But you know, I want to ask you, Mitchie, as as a as a kid who was born in the T20 generation, right? You know, Hasith and I grew up in a time where there was no T20, but you grew up in a time where obviously T20 was like was like standard. Do you think there's too much of it? Do you think it's do you think it's become like a bit of a you know dare I say it like a pandemic, <laughs> or do you you know like how do we manage T Twenty because there's so many leagues now there's the South Africa T Twenty there's the Lanka Premier League, um, there's now even the Under Nineteen Women's T Twenty as well. Um, do you think this is a good thing for cricket or is it slowly phasing out the other formats of the game? Yeah, I just think there's just way too much of it for anyone to take interest in. Like mm. Europe and you look talk about growing up in the T Twenty era. I used to love the Big Bash. I remember. Mm going to the BBL 05 final and crying after the Stars lost when I was like 12 or 13. Like I was so into it. But now like I don't watch it that often. When I do, it's casual. I'm not invested in like the Stars or anyone. Like I couldn't really be bothered with who wins. I'm not passionately following anyone. But I know if that's just a thing with age because the Big Bash does target younger audiences or mm. either or. But yeah, like you said, I remember and I was reading about the. I was like stumbled on an article from like 2010 today and there was something interesting in it where mm -hmm. this was just after the IPL had been formed. Big Bash wasn't a thing yet. But all these tournaments have been talked about. And one mm. thing they said that was really interesting was they're going to make sure like the seasons don't overlap and every kind of country's tournament gets its own little period, an individual period. And you mm. see as the games evolved and more leagues have popped up and more money comes into it, that's just been thrown out the window completely. And mm. now we have like five, six tournaments on right now and you mm. can't keep up with them all at all. No, not at all. I mean, you know, how do you, how do you think... T20 needs to how does the other formats coincide with with T20 because I think ever since the arrival of the IPL it's just massively messed up the entire career calendar like mm. what are your thoughts yeah I think well I think T20 is going to cause the death of ODI for me personally because mm. you see you have an ODI game you have a T20 game 
the ODI game takes seven hours longer to get to the same kind of close scenario, If it, and mm. there's even less chance of it getting there. And with mm. attention spans shortening, people don't have 10 hours to sit there and watch cricket. You know what I mean? Like a test match is different because you don't have to watch all five days. You can like do other things, keep up with it, watch a bit here and there. Mm. Yeah, I think ODI cricket, I don't think it's going to last in the long, long term with T20 just growing so much. And you see like the 100 T10 now, it's getting shorter and leaving yeah. more away. <laughs> Yeah. more away from the ODI kind of stuff. Yeah. Are, you a, are you a fan of the 100 there, Mitchy? Do you like it? I haven't watched much of it, but I like the concept and the, yeah. just something a little bit different. It's not much mm. of a change. Just mix it up a bit. But I don't know. Do we need that many more different things? Like, it's a double-edged sword, really. Yeah. Definitely not. I don't think so. I think the shorter the, shorter the format gets, the more toxic it gets. It, it does mm. harm to cricket as, as a whole. If it's not that much shorter, why 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 touch it, man? Like, the T10 yeah. is just absolute. That's a yeah. circus. There's no other way mm. to describe it. It's a bloody circus. Mm. It needs to go. Mm. And we need to we, all these all these older generation players need to actually stop supporting this nonsense, man. Yeah, because that's yeah. what it is, in my opinion. Like, because you're right, the, the attention spans are shortening, and you and you wonder why that is, right? It's because mm. we're giving we're giving the public shorter formats. So why would they mm. want to? Like you said, right? They, it's it's to the same result, right? Mm. At the end of the day, only one team can win. And like, mm. if it's like eight required off the last ball, whether it be fifty overs or twenty overs or ten overs, you're going to turn into the last over, right? Mm. But stop giving these guys like. 90 minute games and things like that you know yeah. you're gonna be able to play a full game in your lunch break next time man just talk yeah. how to work play a game come back you know i think oh. something something that just uh i just remembered something i think back in 2018 so now south africa has their own t20 league right and i remember back in 2018 there was a that's when the australia south africa the controversial series was happening there was a little discussion between mark nicholas and graham smith the former south african captain and um mark nicholas asked this exact same question to, to Graham Smith at the time, right? And, you know, he was like, you know, Shui, what's happening with Test Cricket, T20 Cricket, what's going on? And, and you know, how, how what are we going to do about it in South Africa? And uh, Graham, Smith, uh, Graham Smith at the time said, well, South Africa will focus more on the red ball game and focus less on the, on the white ball game, on the T20 game. He said T20 should just be a domestic thing, right? And not come up to, like, the international arena. And he was heavily criticizing T20 Cricket back in 2018. And then next minute... <laughs> He becomes the prime promoter of the South Africa T20 League, and he was probably more excited about it than anyone. He was the commissioner. Money he was talks, commissioner. man. Money right. talks. Money talks, right? <laughs> like you know, Mitchy. Like I don't know. Like like how does this happen? You know, how can people? Is T20 that addictive? Like I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't know if T20 is that addictive or it's just the money because countries pick mm. it up, the broadcasters, players play because mm. it's where they're earning the most money. Like you go to the IPL, you earn millions and you're only there for six to eight weeks. Like it's not like you're committing to a full season in any other sport as you would be. Mm. And that's where, that's where I think a big issue is too. Like people can, like people that are for it would say, oh, you look at like soccer or football in Europe and how there's all the different leagues happening once. But the key difference is every player is like committed to one team throughout that whole thing. Whereas here you've got a player going to six or seven teams and there's just no, there's no meaning. There's no substance behind any of it, really. It's all just a little bit of entertainment, casual entertainment and just a lot of money, but no real, no one's really like passionate. Like yeah. maybe in India and the IPL, it is different, but here no one's really into it. And I'd say that for most leagues around the world. All right. So so here's the philosophical question I want to ask you, right? So let's say all all of us three, are, we're, we're in a boardroom at the ICC and we're planning cool. the Future Tours program, right? 
what is the right balance to get T20s, ODIs, and Test cricket all working harmoniously? How do we do it? Do we do we cull some of these T20 leagues, or do we uh, pigeonhole them for a certain time of the year? Like, what? what how do we find the right balance? You can kick things off, Mitchie. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I don't know how much control the ICC would have over domestic leagues, but one thing I'd try and do in an idealistic world is kind of pocket each league to its own section of the year, so you don't have like five leagues on at once. And if and then you don't have like every league competing for players because another thing happens too we have all these leagues at once you don't have all the best players in one league you have them all spread out across six different countries yeah. and then so you're not really getting the highest quality product you can in any league but mm, so to start true. with that maybe just a bit more focus on test cricket a bit less international t20 i think that thing whoever was it graham smith you were talking about said or mm. mark nicholas yeah less t20 at international level the better probably because just keep that for the domestic stuff and that's a way to preserve odi and test cricket more maybe mm. i don't know what are your thoughts this is yeah I think, I think you're pretty spot on there i think um i think like if, if you if you break it down like break down why these players do what they do and they go to you know they, they go like sh on ship you know or what well, well, not on ship but they go fly over to these different leagues and stuff it's for money right and where does this money come from so I think it's I think it's important for people to and I guess sort of investors to understand. I mean, and they, at the end of the day, like I said before, money talks, right? At the, that's that's why we play. It's it's an entertainment sport, you know. Um, you, you got players like Guptill and stuff, and and Saudi retiring quite well. I, I guess sort of Guptill was dropped, but Trent Bolt, like you know, he's retiring prematurely just to go and earn a bit of extra cash, which I don't have a problem with. Um, mm. but I think it, it just sets a really dangerous precedent. And um, I don't know. I think for me definitely try to minimize the amount of funding that these little little leagues have and it sucks because that's how you find new players as well mm. it's it's a really tough one but um i think minimize the funding i don't know it sucks it's quite brutal but there has to be some kind of prioritization towards test and odi in order to preserve them right, right? otherwise we're gonna lose it can you think yeah. about the way the cricket's going i don't know what cricket's gonna look like in 15 years boys Mm, that's the like, thing you just yeah. don't know and the way that it's yeah. declined so quickly in the over mm. the last 10 years or so the next mm. 15 god knows what it's going to look like yeah i think the, the really interesting thing is the one day game I, I i don't know if you guys remember there were like those three random odi matches that happened the, the, the australia england odi series that happened straight after the world cup final you guys remember <laughs> yeah. no, no one talks yeah. about it like like <laughs> no one there was literally like ten thousand people for the second odi at the mcg between <laughs> australia england you know is yeah. this is this what's happened to ODI cricket? Is it like the neglected middle child in a family? Like, is it you know, is it the one that's just like pushed aside? Yeah, you'll figure it out on your own. Is that what's happened? I don't know. I, I really like one day cricket. You know, Hasith, you and I grew up in in the peak ODI you know cricket era when the likes of you know Sri Lanka at the time were a highly competitive team and they you know they were pretty good. Like, remember to ODI cricket because I still I mean you know Mitch, you reckon it'll it'll die out, but I think we need to find a way to preserve that as well, shouldn't we? I don't know. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, I'd like to see it not die, obviously, but I think just the way it's going, that's the church it's head down. But yeah, talk about those England Australia guys. I consider myself a pretty passionate Aussie fan. I didn't even know they were on. Yes. It just happened. <laughs> and then we're like, where did this come from? There was like no marketing of it, no promotion, no anything. And yeah. No I reckon their flights just got cancelled, eh? <laughs> England's flights got cancelled. Like, do you want to keep playing? Like, yeah, why not? <laughs> oh gosh yeah. no, it's, look it's a it's a, it's an interesting topic because you can talk about forever every day because you know different people have different priorities and i think what makes cricket such a difficult product to market if you look at it from like a, a like a marketing standpoint is that it, it's such a it's such a weird game like it, like the way we play cricket now compared to the way cricket was played 50 years ago is is chalk and cheese so to to push this product like as someone if you're trying to sell cricket like you don't really know where to start and i think that's 
what's happened to the ICC and all these administrators. They don't know where to start. They don't know what to prioritize, what to give more, you know, what to give more uh, of the spotlight to, what to cull less of. And it just, I guess, makes a, a very interesting and, you know, uncertain time for cricket. But uh, look on that note, gentlemen, uh, we will wrap up this episode. Um, Mitchy, once again, thank you so much for joining us today on In The Salmon. Uh, you've been a fantastic guest. You're a very bright young kid, and I can certainly see there's a lot more good things coming your way. I'll definitely see you at training. <laughs> but, yeah, thanks once again, mate. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. And a little plug for the sporting landscape, everything I've been doing. It's great exposure. And, yeah, can't thank you guys enough. And hopefully hopefully I was all right and didn't let the show down too much. No, you did well. You did well. No, and, did of, course, well. of course, wonderful hussy. Thank you once again, of course, for jumping up the <laughs> Yeah. One quick one, Mitchy, just before you head off, actually. Yes. Uh, one question I have for you. If you could pick any player, who, who's like your biggest uh, biggest catch? Who do you want to interview? Who do you want to speak to? Out of any player, any country, any league, we'll keep it in cricket if we can. <laughs> but <laughs> who's your number one? Hmm, I have to think because, oh, yeah, you really put me on the spot there. It's a tough one because <laughs> you want someone with an interesting story, someone that's done it like a bit different. <sighs> Gee, I'm trying to think of someone here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not someone good. Someone that's because, like, yeah, someone like Rantha Kalapotha. I don't know who the next. You know, actually, I've got one for you, Josh Brown, for the Brisbane Heat. Yeah, love yeah, it. Good he, yeah, he just have a really interesting story because he what didn't even want to play cricket. He did start when he was like twenty four, and then mm. yeah, Josh Brown would be a good one. I reckon. I heard his mum dropped him off and picked him up uh, to that to his first game as well when he went crazy. <laughs> did you hear about that? No, I didn't. Yeah, he, apparently his mum dropped him off and picked him up. I was also going to mention maybe Ashley Chandra Singer as well. That's, that's another name that's uh, been coming through in, in first class cricket as well. Yeah, He's going to be a good one too. Yeah. I have might have something have in the works there for that one. So oh, no way. Keep your eyes peeled. Hopefully, maybe very early days, but maybe, yeah. Uh, because he used to go to the yeah. same school as me back in the day. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. There we go. There we go. He's all let's, over it, Mitchie. Speak it into fruition. Let's make it he's, happen. He's all over it. Good stuff. That's fantastic, Mitchie. But yeah, look, we'll uh, we'll sign off again. Uh, but look, thank you, gents. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, gents, for joining on this uh, this week's episode of uh, In the Seven Figure Podcast. We'll, we'll uh, see you all next week. Uh, but once again, thanks again. Thanks. Thank you once again, and it's uh, goodbye for now. See you guys. Have a good week.